This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just about 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're starting our show by asking, what are the repercussions when Orang Asli communities can't sell produce from the forest? So this came out because last Monday in the Dewan Negara, Dato Ali Biju, who is the Deputy Minister of Energy and Natural Resources, said uh, it's a fine distinction here, that while Orang Asli communities are allowed to harvest products from the forest reserves, it must only be for domestic use and not commercial purposes. This was a response to a question from another from Senator Apandi Mohamed uh, while tabling an amendment bill for the National Forestry Act 1984. So quite predictably, this has gotten a lot of pushback, right? Because, um, I, and I think there are a number of things going on there. Uh, Orang Asli activist Bartoni uh, said that it's hypocritical for the minister to say that Orang Asli who live in these forest reserves are not allowed to harvest forest produce for commercial purposes. Um, and he questioned why logging companies are able to ca- continue carrying out logging activities in said reserves while the communities are not just living there, but really the custodians of these lands are prevented from gathering resources to survive. Um, Went on to talk about how these regulations would only constrict and strangle the communities and that they should have the right to harvest uh, this produce because they've been doing it with minimal impact to the land for thousands of years. Um, Colin Nicholas, coordinator for the Centre for Orang Asli Concerns, said that essentially these communities have been involved in trading forest resources for at least 500 years and that their sustainable use of these resources is what has ensured forests remain intact and healthy. So it is kind of, it's one of those things that um, even if you read the headline often sounds like, I mean, what are we talking about here? These are, these are communities and people who have lived off these lands for centuries. I'm just going to say it. It literally makes no sense to me. I can't, I cannot <laughs> find a top nor tail. I, I, I just don't understand it. And it's for a number of reasons that were brought up uh, by both the gentlemen that, that you, you were talking about, right? Because so, if we know that it's been done with minimal impact, if we accept the role that um, many Orang Asli communities play, particularly when it comes to the management of natural resources, which they've been doing for centuries, as it's been pointed out, um, and which is also one of the main ways by which they earn a living. If you do all that, or if you acknowledge all that, but then you say, but actually, no, um, we have forest plantations. That's what we want to do. Uh, What you want to do in a less invasive way is not doable. I I just cannot find a pathway to understanding how this works. I think the point that's been raised both by uh, these activists as well as others is that, in fact, we could learn a lot from the way the Orang Asli communities harvest forest produce and and use produce from the forest in a sustainable way. Um, and, And doing this actually just I, I don't know. I think just minimizes their contributions uh, to healthy ways that we could be engaging with nature. It also feels like a uh, constricting of options because mm-hmm. if you remove this as an option for a, a way to make money or to a way to make a living, then what else is there? And then we're back to the forced relocations. We're back to people being moved off of the lands that they know and have lived on and know how to manage and being put somewhere else and saying, yeah, no, just earn a living, earn a living some some other way. And I don't know, just 
I've said it already. I don't want to repeat myself. I don't understand. So we are looking into this statement that was said in the Dewan Negara last Monday that basically said Orang Asli communities can harvest products from forest reserves, but not for commercial purposes, only for domestic use. And we'd like to hear from you. Do you think this is fair? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred WhatsApp uh, or drop us a voice note zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. By the by, um, if you'd like to send us a voice note, just a small thing. If you can start your voice note by saying hi, tell us your name and then your point, that will be great. Um, again, those numbers zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine to message us or voice note. Call double seven double three two nine hundred. After this, we're going to be speaking with Daniel Tio, founder of Native, so keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. Break from mediocrity, BFM 89.9. It is 5.13, you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila, and we're looking today into a statement that came out last Monday in Dewan Negara by Dato' Ali Biju, um, It's a clarification, really, and he said that while Orang Asli communities are allowed to harvest products from the forest reserves, that can only be for domestic use and not commercial purposes. This has received a a fair amount of pushback, and so we are asking you as well, do you think that this is fair? Uh, You can call us, 7733-2900, WhatsApp, or uh, drop us a voice note, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking with us now on this is Daniel Theo, founder of Native, a social and that helps to create community-based ventures with Indigenous communities. Uh, Daniel, thanks so much for speaking with us. So let's jump right in. Um, what did you make of the statement from uh, the Deputy Energy and Natural Resources Minister, Ali Biju? Yeah, so I think definitely when I first caught wind of this statement, I thought it was like quite misinformed, I would say, because as far as in my experience, or Asli has been harvesting and selling um, natural resources from their own communities, their neighboring communities, which they themselves steward for a long time. And this can be traced back like hundreds, if not thousands of years to neighboring communities. And I think this has also become a backbone of their economy. So it definitely raised questions why the sudden change of position, um, especially at a time like this when livelihoods um, are at the forefront of national conversation. So how reliant are the Orang Asli on selling produce that they harvest from the forest? Well, I I can't comment for every single Orang Asli community, but at least for those that are in the rural outskirts of slang or that interact with, I think there's a big misconception that they are able to make a living fully by working in town. Um, I think a lot of them still depend on the natural resources that they harvest, be it like bamboo or especially seasonal products like durian. Um, they make up a significant amount of their yearly income, up to 50%. In fact. So that should give you an idea of um, how significant it is to their livelihoods. Could you give us some examples of the kind of produce that Orang Asli communities harvest? So um, a lot of it is made out of Fruit, so a lot of local fruits that you can imagine, be durians, mangosteens, rambutans, pulasan, um, chumpadats. So all the local favorites that you and I love, a lot of them come from the Orangasti. But in addition to that, there are also other materials, some used in construction and crafts. So things like bamboo, um, various species of rattan, and also depending on what else is available, depending on where they live. So you get things like nipa, bertam, which is mostly construction or craft related. 
And what are the differences in terms of how these communities manage crops and harvests in comparison to the government's approach with forest plantations? I myself am not an expert in dealing with government-managed plantations, but perhaps I can comment more on how the community does it. I think to give you an idea of the importance uh, or the important ways that I say actually help us manage forest resources is with bamboo. So bamboo as a quote-unquote forest crop um, grows very rapidly and if it's left to grow freely, it will overtake and invade certain parts of the ecosystem. So the Orang Asli also have this way where, I mean, it's part art more than science, I would say, in a way, but they harvest it on rotation so that they will always have time to recover, but at a rate where it's not given opportunity to kill the neighboring plants. Because when bamboo grows to a certain size, it starts to overshadow like shorter plants and they compete for nutrients and they die. So I think this is um, the way that the Orang Asli manage it in a way where they implement traditional knowledge. And there's also a certain respect to the land. And of course, traditionally, the Orang Asli also do not use any form of um, pesticides, any external um, additives to the soil as well. So typically, you know, there's no risk of runoff. And I think the other thing is that the Orang Asli, um, at least without outside intervention, they don't practice monoculture. So I think that's a very important difference as well. So there's always a good diversity um, in purely or unasly managed uh, plots of land. So to get down to brass tacks then, how would this amendment impact the community's livelihoods? I mean, do they have alternatives to turn to? So I would say it would definitely negatively impact the Orang Asli's livelihoods. So you can imagine that even for those who live a subsistence lifestyle, you remove an important source of food security. So that already pushes people into or beneath the poverty line. And I think I mentioned earlier as well that 50% of their income for some communities come from the forest. For some, it's even more so. And that pushes them to work um, odd jobs or any other form of work that they might find in neighboring communities. And I think the thing is that Orang Asi communities who typically depend on forest products are not are not equipped um, to necessarily work in the mainstream economy. So that means that you'll end up with low-paying jobs, lack social mobility, and that is kind of how they get trapped in a certain cycle. So, so it will have long-lasting effects. And I, I would definitely say that it it's just negative overall for the community. So why should the Orang Asli be taking the lead on how we use resources from the forest? Well, I, I think there are a lot of dimensions to that. I think the first is, of course, um, if we are paying respect to the historic or um, or just the heritage of the Orang Asli people themselves who have lived on that land for hundreds, if not thousands of years and have managed to show us that they can steward it well. I think a lot of the diversity has been around since like the time of their ancestors. And it is, well, up to a certain point, it is still around today until like outside intervention comes in and that starts to decline. Um, and the second is that I think the Orang Asli need to lead it because it is, it is in a way like, it is their rice bowl, right? Um, to some extent. And in a way, if we think about the Orang Asli as communities, there's also a certain sovereignty that I believe that they should have as the people who manage, tended the land, and again, know it the best. 
And the last being that Dorong Asi have shown that um, despite you know not necessarily being able to quantify their method, but they do it in ways that are sustainable and long-lasting. I think that itself is plenty of evidence to give it to let Dorong Asli be. And how does your business rely on the partnership that you have with Dorong Asli? So I think for, for us, I think a lot of it depends on um, our relationship with Dorong Asli. Just because uh, we, of course, source source our durians from them if we're referring to like um, forest produce that we do with Pichibumi, which is a venture underneath it. And I think that partnership also relies a lot on knowing that the Orangasi practice sustainable methods, that it doesn't harm the forest. And all of this is stuff that we've seen with our own eyes, experience. And the Orangasi um, have that kind of assurance as well, that when we are able to sell that product to our consumer, that they are they come from fruits that have been raised a certain way, that no harm has been done. And it truly does support the local economy and has that um, quality assurance that only the Orangasi can give. So moving forward, what kind of policies or initiatives would you like to see from the government when it comes to safeguarding the Orang Asli communities as well as their livelihoods? I think what I definitely like to see is the Orang Asli being given more decision-making power over their own fate. I think a lot of times when policies are made, they might be made with certain good intentions, I would say. At least, at least that's what I'd like to assume. Um, but a lot of the times that it's very top-down, the wrong RC aren't engaged and the decision-making power is really not put in their hands. Like they don't necessarily get a say. And I think um, one policy I like to see is where there are more uh, indigenous opinions put into it and that grant them decision-making power, whether it be more ownership over their land, whether there's some form of communal titles that can exist or it being enshrined that Dorong Asli do have um, these rights written like on paper into our constitution or any other type of agreement. Kind of like how New Zealand has treaties with their indigenous people. I like to see that from Malaysia. And um, if I could add one more in terms of business, I'd love to also see like a, an indigenous procurement type of policy where for countries with strong indigenous presence, like the government um, commits to procuring a certain amount of their products from Indigenous communities. And I think that itself would give the Orang Asli a great chance to show that they have every capability of managing things like forest resources. Daniel, what would you like to leave us with? Hmm. Well, I, I think I'd like to leave everyone with just, just a thought about how the Orang Asli actually play a very important role in our society even though many of us wouldn't have had the opportunity to interact with them. So the next time you get the opportunity, I would really suggest meeting an Indigenous person and learning about um, what it is that they dream about, what is it that they do. And I think you'll find that there's a lot in common, yet we're all unique in our own Daniel, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Daniel Theo, founder of Native, a social enterprise that works with Indigenous communities, including selling their produce. And uh, we were speaking to Daniel particularly because of a statement that emerged from the Dewan Negara last Monday, in which the Deputy Minister of Energy and Natural Resources basically said that Orang Asli communities can, of course, harvest products from the forest reserves, but only for domestic use and not commercial purposes, which, as we've been saying 
as many other people have been saying, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So we'd like to hear from you. Um, do you think this is fair? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. That same number, by the way, you can leave us a voice note with your thoughts. Start it off with "Hi," tell us your name, and then your thought. Uh, you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. In the meantime, we've got uh, some messages. Let's see. Um, we can start with this from YM, who says, "No, it's not fair at all." For instance, look at what's going on at Belum. Yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? It just doesn't square away, especially when you look at the other ways that our forests are being used. And and therefore, what's the problem with with this kind of smaller, more managed and more well thought out usage of forest, which we've seen done for centuries? We also have the same point being made by Sarkuna, who says, this is ridiculous. It's not that the Orang Asal are making millions by selling these resources. I feel that the minister's concern should live in a forest for a year and then comment on this issue from common sense. Actually, that point about really, what are we talking about here? It's not exploitation. Um, so what's the concern? Should, shouldn't the priority actually be people who are exploiting our natural resources? You would think especially from this particular ministry. Uh, keep those thoughts coming. We are asking you whether you think it's fair what has happened because last Monday in the Dewan Negara, there was a, a clarification offered while there was an amendment, tabling, uh, amendment table for the National Forestry Act. And basically in there, a deputy minister said, Orang Asli communities can harvest products from forest reserves, but only for domestic use, not for commercial purposes. We want to hear from you. Is this fair, basically? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred WhatsApp, or voice note us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So keep it here on the Evening Edition, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.